The following podcast contains spoilers and adult language. We recommend listening after you've already seen the movie in question, but we're not your boss. Do what you like. Brought to you by our patrons at patreon.com slash matineemanities. If you like what you've heard and like to hear more, consider becoming a patron. Donations start at just $1 a month, and half of all profits after hosting costs go towards actual manatee habitat preservation. Because we figured, you know, why not? Hope you enjoy the show. Yeah, we're, we're good. We have too much 
longer to kill with trying to share easily, so we win most of our cases. I really love the idea that you didn't go to DC for Human Court, you went to DC for Manatee Court, and you've just been spending the last year and a half or so just fighting people. Well, no, you probably didn't go straight to fighting the Tridents, right? I'd like learn the history of hey, Tridents. You, you mock trials, so you, you. It's not a real core. You knew if I was Tridents just to train, but. Yeah. What sort of like mixers do you go to as a. as an aquatic lawyer? Can I just hang out in the Potomac with, uh, mostly catfish and parasites? I told you my terrible duck story from the Potomac, right? No, what happened with you and the duck? It's not, it's, it's not really a story, it's like four sentences. Uh, there I was, sitting on the Potomac, one adjacent to the Potomac, and uh, there was a... You said the Potomac in the dead of winter, I think. Yeah, sure. I'll take your word for it. I was there during the beautiful cherry blossom season, uh, and despite all the beautiful cherry blossoms, all I saw was just horror and terror as two male ducks competed to have sex with a female duck. And they just kept shoving her head underwater as they fought over her. And then eventually she drowned, and then they fled, and then there was just a dead duck sitting there. Now, see, that's a good intro for the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles cast. <laughs> uh, yeah, either, either opening that you choose is a pretty dark opening. Maybe edit everything in between and shove those right together. And that's a really good place for for the audience to come in to just get where our head space is. Oh yeah. No, it's it's uh it's a bad month. No worries. Uh, uh, I hey, lost patience. 
I still, I still love you guys. I still love you listeners. And I understand that this is not an important bill. So by all means, cancel your patronage if you need to. Um, but please come back when this is over. <laughs> yeah, keep that cash for, uh, you know, snacks or medicine. But just remember that you took money away from manatees who are getting slaughtered <laughs> by motorboats. And they probably did pretty Manatees are probably doing pretty good right now, honestly. Oh yeah, the rest of the animal kingdom's actually probably having a wonderful time. Oh, if you just continue, so we might not need you. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 
Uh, directed by Steve Barron, who also directed Coneheads and a bunch of music videos. Oh my god, he did music videos? I think so. Oh, that's like the one complaint I had about the movie was the way the music was used. Yeah. Well, he, he did... Let me see. I can bring this up. Sorry, not not just music videos. He did video shorts. So it's not really the same thing. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Um... This movie has a 40% on the tomato meter on Rotten Tomatoes, which seems too low, but has an 81% audience appreciation score. Yeah. Which sounds more correct. That, that sounds way more correct. 6.8 on IMDb, and on Amazon.com, uh, it has 4.5 stars. Nice! Via that rating system. Out of five. 4.5? That's actually pretty high for them, right? They typically run that four range. They're typically 4.5. Oh, damn. Okay. <laughs> I have this conversation every time with you guys, so. <laughs> uh huh. <laughs> 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 it's okay, it's a runner, it's in literally every episode, that's okay. <laughs> Don't worry, I'll forget by next time as well. It's that dolphin memory of mine. Starring Judith Hogue. From Armageddon and Hitchcock and Big Love and Nashville uh, and The Magicians. Uh, Are we discussing April O'Neil right now? Is that her name? Yeah, okay. there's one female in this entire movie. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was noticeable. Oh, um, yeah. I was like, no, surely April had a best friend. No, no. Nope. No. There, there's a woman who gets her TV stolen. Oh, yeah. She doesn't speak. No. I think that might literally be the only Starring Elias Coteus, 
who I know from the prophecy, which is a movie I like more than it deserves. He was also in Thin Red Line, Skinwalkers, a TV series called Chicago Fire, TV series called Chicago Justice, TV series called Chicago Med, and TV series called Chicago PD. They might be related. This character is the same name in all of them. Got more spinoffs than Frasier, Jesus. I think it's like a CSI thing where it's like, well, we got the studio. Who else is dramatic and sexy? Uh, Fireman. He sort of. <laughs> he looks like who you would hire uh, if you couldn't afford Robert De Niro. Like he had a kind of a similar yeah. facial structure a little bit. I think he, I think he aged less metamorphically than Robert De Niro did. But like at at the same early twenties, I think that a very similar look. Casey Jones's character was such a trip too. The, yeah, sorry, we're at the beginning. I always yeah. Um, but but the prophecy he plays the uh, used to be a priest now he's a detective, and he fights Christopher Walken, who's the angel of death. Playing Christopher Walken. Yeah, Christopher Walken is himself. It's also got that guy from Mask and Viggo Mortensen as Satan. Is that so that guy a, from Mask your way of downplaying Jim Carrey, or are you referencing someone else? No, not the Mask. 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 Oh, remember, like Cher was in it. He he had heavy prosthetics, so it was hard to recognize for me when he was in uh, the prophecy. Mask. Is this like uh, loosely based off like Phantom of the Opera kind of story? I don't I don't remember Mask. No, it's it's a kid with like some sort of elephantitis of like facial bones or something. Oh. I I saw when I was a little kid. I don't know if it's any good. Uh, but shares the mom. Anyway, the prophecy is not the movie we saw today, but Elias Cotes is also the main character in it. Right. Did these, uh, did these two have top billing? I guess they're like some of the few people without prosthetics on that are main characters. Were they yeah, top the only f- faces. Uh, yeah. Okay. There's also the kid Danny, 
um, played by Michael Turney, who's been in three movies ever. This, Cost of Living, and Spike of Bensonhurst. Okay. Uh, his dad, Jay Patterson, who's in Norman, and All the Kingsmen, and Ted 2. I didn't recognize him, but I feel like I've seen his face before. Tatsu, you see his face, but apparently he's not even doing his own voice. I was wondering, it definitely looked like there was some overdub on that guy. Yeah, so we have, there's like five puppet characters who have physical actors and voice actors, and then this one guy where they're just like, oh, so you, because we can't find an angry looking guy who has a good voice. <laughs> <laughs> He was in... No, go ahead. I think he's a stuntman or something. Uh, I think he's a stuntman or something. Like, probably the... It, it wasn't a super demanding... I, I don't know, actually. It didn't look like a super demanding martial arts thing he was having to do. But maybe it's hard to find a guy who can kick above his own head or something. I don't Be the main character, you know, I never saw it. And he's in 
a movie called Modern Love and several others that I hadn't ever heard of. This cast really went off to do some, like, super remarkable things. All the Ninja Turtles were stuntmen who've been in some other good things, like Leo's played by a guy named... Oh, you actually get to see all the people in the Turtles costumes at least once out in another role. That's like, yeah, I played Leo, uh, David Foreman. He's also one of the gang members who's standing behind uh, uh, Sam Rockwell at the beginning, I think. Yeah, when they're yeah, when first they're... introducing, uh, like, the cool hangout. 90s. So wait, so quick, quick step back clarification. So this is 90s. I I assume this was 80s. I guess it is 1990 on the dot. Okay. So it's both. So it's right on that cusp. So this, so the 90s, I guess had this whole aesthetic for like what teens do. I remember hackers. I know this. This can't, this can't be the only two movies where there were just always these giant warehouses that were, were just these like dream hangout spots. Wasn't that where the main characters hang out in, like, Free Willy? This probably, like, I wouldn't be shocked if... No, yeah! You're right! That was very similar. And also, Double Dragon, I think, like, the future Apocalypse gangs had a place a lot like this. Yeah, future apocalypse gangs, 90s teens, pretty synonymous for how the movies were made back then. In Batman Forever, didn't he have to beat up a gang of, like, wearing neon stripe guys? Oh, yeah. Neon stripe guys. Uh, yeah. Again, had all the per- had all the rec- requirements. Half pipe. Uh, usually, yeah. some sort of big screen. If there's like to play video games or old school cabinets for video games. Kids are always getting cigarettes, cause that's super cool. I mean, it is pretty cool to smoke when you're a teenager. It's...
anyway, so the guy who played Leo, uh, David Furman, he was also one of the gang members. The guy who played Raph, Josh Pice, was also the passenger in the back seat of the cab that he vaulted over after he was casing, uh, chasing Casey. Mm-hmm. He was like, what was that? That was also rough. Oh, I love that cabbie. <laughs> You're going to LaGuardia? It's a good joke. <laughs> uh, Leaf Tilden played Donatello and also the foot messenger who slaps April in the face. Mm-hmm. Uh... Which was kind of funny. Um, and Michelangelo is played by Michelangelo, who's also the pizza man that he was arguing with through the grave. I thought one of the stunt guys ended up being Kino. Not Kino. Is it Kino? The, uh, the pizza delivery guy in Ninja Turtles 2. It is Kino. Um, let me double check. Yeah. On that. I could have sworn I heard some random, perhaps, bar trivia about him being cast outside of the suit. No, I I know he was a stuntman for the first one. I don't know which turtle he was or if he was a turtle or one of the the Foot Clan or something. Kino was played by Ernie Reyes Jr. Oh, right. The guy from Monster Finches. Uh... Who in the first one, it's not on his IMDb filmography, the first intro uh, movie. So he, like, I heard that too. So it's but just been repeated uh, for years without being accurate. Well, or it might be true and he was just a minor enough role that it wasn't on the, the billing. Like, he could have... I mean, there, there's a bunch of guys in ninja costumes they fight. I just know he wasn't one of the, the main listed turtles. But yeah, that's secret of the news. Don't need to go too far into that. Yeah, it's not great. No. Uh, Oh, it's better than the third one. Two, I've had a fair amount of discussions with people from our generation who, who like, Fondly remembered 
to and just didn't either remember or really like the original motion picture. Two is more cartoonish and it's more like the cartoon, which was what was making it popular at the time, I think. Yeah, but one is unquestionably just actually a better movie. Surprisingly, a pretty solid movie, actually. Right, but they, they tell more jokes in two, they don't use their weapons because they use like cold cuts and random toys and stuff. Oh, yeah. You don't want the branching edges of anyone. Yeah. No. You do kind of have to explain how Leonardo Cap. Not Leonardo DiCaprio, what the fuck? Oh, DiCaprio. How, uh... Decapitatio. How Leo, uh... Isn't just murdering people on a regular basis with his two swords. Yeah, and in the cartoon he cuts people up, it's just they all turn out to be robots, so it's fine. Yeah, it works out great. Yeah. He only cuts one person in this movie, and it's just like the tiniest arm cut on Shredder. Yeah. Just to, to be like, <laughs> I can, and then he... Maybe I get infected because that's a sewer sword. <laughs> if everything their own requires that, uh, that preface. Leo kills his opponents three weeks later from sepsis, is how he does it. Uh, <laughs> Sword, sewer pizza, sewer couch. Yeah, and then they're too good to eat it when it's moldy, but like they live in human feces. Oh, that's weird. <laughs> um. <laughs> anyway, and the the voices were mostly in my voice actors, except Donatello, who's done my matinee manatee alumni, Corey Feldman, who you may remember from Lost Boys. Oh, I didn't realize it until you put the name to the voice, but now I can totally hear it. That's the guy. Um, I think that's every character except, like, the police chief who I forgot to look up. I feel like 1990, Corey Feldman was still, like, in the zeitgeist at that time. That seems like a name you'd throw on the poster. Well, that's why they... Cast him, I think. He wasn't 
Tonto's voice isn't terribly Donatello-y in this one, but it's like, yeah, he's famous, teens like him. Yeah. The budget of this movie was $13 million. It grossed $135 million domestically and $200 million worldwide, so... Big success. Yeah. Was the cartoon uh, airing at this time, or was this just coming out based on Eastman's uh, comic work? I believe it was already airing at the time, but give me a second. The the plot of it was based on Twarnum, uh, Eastman's comic work than the cartoon was. I know that much. Oh, 100%. The cartoon was running during... No, that's the wrong cartoon. There have been three cartoons. One in 2003, one in 2008, one in 2012. Jeez. Okay, this is Charles' 1980 TV series. Yeah, so it's going for a while. Yeah, okay. So this, but this was kind of pulling loosely from the cartoon or no much more heavily from the comic yeah yeah yeah, yeah. correct yeah they're pulling some of the kind of like the brighter elements and because the comic if I remember correctly too was just like black ink and why it's just all black and white. So there's black, white, and red. Yeah. So all the turtles had had the red uh, had the red bandanas. Yeah, and so all the blood would show up because it was that kind of comic. Yeah, 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 yeah. Very, uh, very Sin City. Yeah, it was pretty, that would have been an interesting style, actually. Did you ever see that... I think it was called Turtles Forever? It was like, uh... Uh, probably ten years old at this point. Cartoon, where it's like... Three incarnations of cartoon turtles all met each other. What? It, it was very sort of for fans. It was a because they were drawing to close that sort of anime-ish series that in like twenty fourteen or something. Um, and they met the eighties turtles via like because. Because the new one, there wasn't, like, magic shenanigans. Yeah. So, the, the random 
crazy Shredder and Krang from the 80s series that sent the girls from that series in the new ones that didn't know what to do with it. It's like, wait, what? So it's a pink what? So it's like actually pretty self-aware and uh, like four fans of both. It was pretty funny. It's a, it's a brain in a giant creepy chubby man robot suit. And I think at some point they figure out how it, it's all like into the Spider-Verse come to think of it. Oh yeah. It's general sort of premise where like eventually they figure out how to do it and they bring in for help like three or four sets of turtles from like the weird anime one and the CGI ones and then the comic ones come in just clean house <laughs> and everyone doesn't want to talk to them because they're scared it's just super dark and extremely effective yeah, there's like joking about people dying, and it's like, um, we don't do that at all. <laughs> That's good. It was, it was pretty solid. It's, uh, I don't know how entertaining it is, but it's, it's, it's clever, you know. I mean, Into the Spider-Verse gets a lot of credit for this. Apparently Ninja Turtles did this, but really we have the DC uh, comic universe to blame for all these, like, cross-universe uh, meetups, right? From, all, from the yeah, crisis. on Infinite Earths or Yeah. Which I'm fairly certain they're doing on all these. CW shows now. I have not been keeping up with those. Okay. Well, we're not going to talk about it. Let's move on. Alright, so. I like this movie. (laughs) (laughs) That's all, folks. I'm trying to remind myself what else Kevin Eastman did. Oh, also, sorry, Splinter uh, was puppeteered by Kevin Clash, famously Elmo for like 30 years. Oh no, are you serious? Yeah, there's some stuff. <laughs> yeah. That's pretty spectacular. Like, Splinter was pretty good, I thought. Like, he creeped me out a lot, but in a way that felt like he kind of would, you know? He moved the least of, uh, 
prosthetic characters. I couldn't tell if he was just all puppet or if he was... Oh, yeah, he... He was all puppet. It was it was too thin for there to be a costume. I think. Okay, that's what I, that's what I was wondering. Well, you know, they could have I don't know gotten a small child and then just dubbed him. Yes, right. Someone with there's some syndrome where. A lot of famous-ish stuntmen from war movies have it. Yeah! Marfans? Marfans? Is that, uh... Are you discussing... Is that the guy who does a lot of the... Who did Pan's Labyrinth? Oh, that was Doug Jones. He's just a fantastically talented. Mine. Oh, okay. With a really unique body. Yeah, he also is Mad Anti alum. He was in uh, Hellboy as Abe Sapien. First yeah, one, second one, or both? Both. Okay. They just got uh, Fraser's brother, second Fraser reference. In the Ninja Turtle podcast, for some reason, um, uh, he, he did the voice for the first one, but uh, refused credit for it because uh, Doug Jones had already done the the voice and they had him do it over it, but he thought it was a pointless thing to do because Doug Jones did fine. Um, so the second one just kept Doug Jones no notice because he, he did do fine. Like, he's not just a man. I am thinking of Marfan Syndrome. M-A-R-F-A-N. I think, uh, God, who's the famous person who has it? Isaiah Austin? Is that the, no, that's a... No, he's a basketball player. He has it. Anyway, there's there's a famous stuntman. Uh, this is gonna be a whole tangent, but it's, <laughs> it's it, it it lets it. I think it's pretty painful. You don't actually want to have it, but it 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 has a very tall, thin frame and long arms and legs and fingers but also has a pretty bad effect on blood vessels and the eyes and heart and stuff so it's not it's not good but it allows people to fit to costumes that people without it can't sounds like a Salvador Dali kind of situation Actually, you know where he draws his elephant with his long, skinny legs. Yeah, I mean, yeah, not not extreme, but yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, 
Google if you're curious and don't feel bad about, you know, just sort of boggling people with medical conditions, because that's ultimately what it is. But, uh, disproportionately well-presented in horror movie stuff. If you don't want to Google people with medical conditions, also just look up Salvador Dolly's art. I mean, I think that's more offensive than anything. <laughs> <laughs> so, we open in famously wet 80s New York. Which, um. <laughs> If it's nighttime New York, that place is wet. We, we learned this in Super Mario Brothers and the trend continues. It's gotta be glistening, man. It catches all that all that great city light. The cinematographers love it. I mean, I, I get why they do it. It's just, it's just like, did it always just rain earlier today, but like 30 minutes earlier today? It's, uh, it's like when a, it's like when a beefcake gets uh, cast Specifically because he's hot and has abs, so they have to like make him glisteny and like have the yeah. one shirtless scene. This is New York, uh, cast as a beefcake who wants to show off its abs. New York's oil shirtless scene. I gotcha. Yeah. Gotcha. Huh. There's, they set it in a kind of like, I don't want to say realistic, but 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 it feels more like a real city showing a lot of just crowd shots that I think are non-studio they're just them because it looks kind of dirty and it's crowded they're talking about a crime spree on the news but then the crime spree is like pickpocketing (laughs) and minor property crimes (laughs) it's like super little this is apparently some like what some famous crime wave that hit Japan in some unknown time period too as well, right? Yeah, and it's just it's so we see like what someone takes a wallet, someone steals TV. Then uh, some ninjas like empty out an entire uh, delivery truck, which is kind of cool. When 
the guy is, is away for five seconds. Uh, but other than that, it's just like... Okay, so here's the stakes in this movie. Like, it's not people are going missing. It's not people are dying. It's not, you know, terrorism or, like, weird signs or disease or anything. It's like, you know, lots of people are losing luxury items to non-violent burglary. <laughs> it's a starting point. Like, yeah. it, gets, it gets serious when April O'Neil gets like decked in the face and and potentially some real violent stuff could have started but yeah at this point the news is just reporting petty petty crime yeah like the the only violence done in this movie is against Ninja Trolls in retaliation for what they started, which is very violent. This is 1990, so, I, you know, I don't know where we are in the timeline of the whole quote-unquote Disneyification of New York. But I still feel like we're close enough to all the all the crime waves of the seventies and eighties and that like how would they even know this is a specific crime wave? Like wouldn't these like real small minor offenses just be clumped in with the day-to-day New York activity at this time. That's what I'm saying. It's a huge plot hole. They... They should have thought of it. What the fuck, Ninja Turtles? Like, the ooze I get, but this... I'm fucking Yeah, this also becomes increasingly problematic as we figure out what the what the foot is. <laughs> like <laughs> there's also there's just these fucking ninjas hanging out the back of a van <laughs> at one point where it's way more conspicuous than just guys in the back of the van. <laughs> yeah, like, what is the reason for them to have to don that foot garb? Like, that would... There's not... You blend in nowhere. Yeah, it doesn't help them at all. <laughs> But I mean, that's also just ninjas in, in real life versus Hollywood styles. Like, no one had the, 
the black pajama balaclava thing that they've got going on because that's too obvious if you found it in someone's closet you know they're ninja you kill them. There was one instance later on where uh, the outfit worked pretty well when uh, one of the foots following Mikey I believe in the sewers and you like and perfectly blends in with the shadows and then walks out of it yeah that was cool but it also I think that was just the stuff man he could digest it all the hoodie oh yeah for sure I mean, I, I kind of like the costumes, like they're neat, I just don't get why you'd wear them when you weren't going specifically to do on-camera crimes, you know? Like, like, I get why they would posse up like that when they are going to beat a bunch of people up, because you can't tell who they are. I don't get why you'd be in a van like that. I mean, if I wanted to give it some justification, we're like, we're looking at a movie that, despite the fact that it's called The Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, it actually is utilizing is actually we've got teenage ninjas versus mutant turtles is is how it boils down. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But yes, okay. Crime wave. Crime wave spreading the city. Giant hideout right across the river. Super conspicuous. <laughs> Low throbbing bass music, uh, discernible from two miles away. It must be pulling some crazy amount of electricity from the power grid. Yeah, there's 300 people living here. <laughs> Which has to check out, because it's gotta be like an abandoned warehouse area. So you figure a spike would be noticeable. I mean, maybe they stole their own generators to steal all kinds of electronics. And steal, steal gas for them. Uh, hey, you know what? Uh, let's see. 
I'm, I'm willing to give them that. That's probably accurate. If I was setting up a, a weird uh, child soldier cult, that's deal. <laughs> uh, generators. What, uh, <laughs> gasoline. what else would you do, Ben, if uh, you were starting a weird child cult? How far have you taking this thought process. I mean, I, I hear you gotta hide gunpowder in the food, right? Because it's like a minor hallucinogen, but also makes them a little violent. <sighs> this is not information I have in my brain. How do you, how do you know uh, I heard about it from Metal Gear Solid 2. I have no idea if it's true. God, that movie's... That, I mean, sorry, that game's crazy. Yeah, that's the one where you eventually wind up everyone's a hologram and you're in a robot's anus for part of it? Yeah. Uh, but it was also an oil rig. It's... Hideo... Has anyone checked on Hideo Kojima lately? Hideo Kojima's doing <laughs> fine. <laughs> the second that I started having a boss battle with a large man on rollerblades throwing bombs, I knew I was playing the right game. No, it's... I unironically love this game. I'm just saying, the first one was about, like, a, a nuclear launcher trying to stop in a military base in Alaska. The second one was about the holodeck, and there's a sam and uh, there's a vampire. One character is a yeah, full-on vampire. Like they don't pull their punches on that. <laughs> anyway, um, spiritual successor of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. So, quick step back. You know. The whole, uh, the whole, uh, indoctrination, cool 90s kid warehouse. Like, was this whole thing set up prior to the kids got there? Like, was... Shredder's second-in-command Tatsu sitting there, like, plugging in all of the, all of the video arcade units. Was he building the big, uh, the big skateboard ramps? Was he doing the, was he, like, prepping all this for the kids, or like, did the first group of kids just get pulled into a big empty warehouse? 
mean, my assumption is that first one. Tatsu was just putting all this together with love and care. Well, I think the Shredder also probably had, like, nail guns on his... on his... his shit. Sure, that checks so out. Where is our, uh, montage of Shredder and Tatsu putting together this really rad warehouse with cool 80s music? <laughs> just, like, not even a dramatic montage, just like them fading in and out time-lapse, you know, like... Like, they're over in the corner, and then it fades, and it's halfway done, and they're over on the walls for stuff. I would watch, I would watch. Occasionally, they have, like, some goofy little moment where, like, Tatsu, like, spritzes a little bit of paint on Shredder's face, and they laugh. Having a good time together. Getting ready for all the little teenage terrorists they're gonna train. That's a digital short I would watch. Oh, yeah. I mean, would that, should that be the first matinee manity digital short creation? I mean, that's. That's a lot of skills that we don't have out there. <laughs> I mean, I got at least like, another week of no work. I could probably pull something together. I mean, if we're shifting from, like, talking about movies casually to, like, producing one, <laughs> that's a... Uh, <laughs> There's not as much overlap between those skill sets as I think people might We'll see what happens. Very worst case scenario, I do a bunch of hand drawings, take individual pictures, throw some music on it, and text you. I mean, I do... You already have a Shredder costume, so there is that. You are... Okay. Um... What? <laughs> are you... Are you wearing it right now? I hope you are. No, no, it's... It's strictly for, um... Night walks. Then you should be... When... When Sam and I did our Batman, the original motion picture episode, every piece of clothing I had on my body was Batman related. I sent Sam some no. really intimate photos to prove this. This isn't merchandise, this is a... a... Out, it, it's an outfit that I made myself, 
so that people couldn't grab me without getting cut. So that I could go on walks at 3 a.m. A metal face mask. Uh, yeah, but it doesn't quite look right. Do you have whatever the correct terminology is? Uh, a metal, uh, shredder helmet. <laughs> I didn't think this was a bit. I want a bullet point list of all the things that you have. This is the kind of stuff that puts our audience to sleep, and that's why they come here. The entire costume is a helmet, pauldrons, and like weird bracer things with with a bunch of razor blades on. And then like a a, a sparkle sparkle silk and a purple. It's a weird costume, but Sounds great. <laughs> no, I'm talking about in the movie. Like, that's what oh, sorry, I was. <laughs> I thought you just legit <laughs> started pulling all these things together. No, he's got a purple glitter, like. <laughs> I don't know, it's weird. They did... They did a decent job realizing uh, the cartoon outfits. Yeah. The outfits were fine. Here's, here's my own problem with Shredder was that he is swimming in that helmet. Like, his head is a third the size of the helmet, and it's kind of obvious. Yeah. Uh, and the actor they got, like, I'm sure he's a fine actor. He's not intimidating. He's just little. One thing I'll say about the, the Michael Bay shredder, or the Michael Bay movies, I thought it was pretty bad. But the guy they cast as Shredder looks scary as hell. He's like the seven foot tall, scarred everywhere guy, and he puts on robot suits. It's a Michael Bay movie, that's tough. <laughs> but like, if you cast that guy in this movie, that costume would look actually scary as opposed to just like like angry little guy I'm just impressed that especially for the era they didn't cast 
big white dude from the room. That was good. That was a good thing for them to not do. Yeah, because that's, that's like perfectly in line with plenty of movies. Yeah. So, yeah. it was cool that they actually, like, chose not to go that direction. Overall, there was a lot of, I think, pretty impressive creative decisions. Um, I don't know, I, th- I think it's a well done. Also, budget $13 million. I don't know how far you can cast a casting net. I, I only need to say the Shredder costume was cool. The guy was obviously. It, it was either built for a larger guy or just built too big because he, he did a, that sort of can't help but look kind of adorable head the same width as your shoulders thing. Oh, he's definitely the little brother of actual Shredder and he's just wearing his clothes. Yeah, but there was between the giant costume and not being a big guy, he kind of looks like a kid in a Halloween costume, which was not what they were going for. The actor who played Tatsu was, would probably be a, a better physical choice. That guy's terrible. Yeah, because he's like... He's just a giant rectangle. Yeah, I mean, he's, he's short, but he's broad, yeah. so it doesn't, like, he's a head shorter than the guy whose ass is kicking in the locker room, and you still believe it. Like, Schwarzenegger wore platforms. Tatsu could have worn platforms. He didn't need to, it was just for all we know, he did wear platforms. Actually, <laughs> yeah, it's like three feet tall. <laughs> There's a chance, I mean. Buffs himself up to four and a half. <laughs> That's scarier. I don't know how to wrestle a three foot tall guy who's also stronger than me. <laughs> Uh, well... Like, I just missed by default. You probably wouldn't have to worry about that. I'm having flashbacks of playing Tekken 3 with my brother, and him choosing Gone, which was just this super tiny dinosaur that only yeah. two attacks could hit. I loved God. Do you read the comments? Like, no words, it's just a crazy little T-Rex running around and not... It rings a bell! I don't... I don't remember, though. Who did them? Oh, I don't even know, because it's just... It's 
It's just art. There's no dialogue. All the other characters are modern animals, except there's this one dinosaur egg that's woken up by a volcano or something. And the joke is that being a dinosaur, he's super strong and invincible, because dinosaur. <laughs> and they never address it. So he's always just... Like, he's, he's getting adopted by a family of eagles, and he tries to fly, so he jumps off of Half Dome or something, but he can't fly, so he just lands, and he's sad. But, it's up. Oh, this needs to be red. Alright. Geo in, check him out. It's good stuff. I didn't realize that they were just pulling random characters. I guess they've set a precedent for uh, that in a lot of fighting games where you just get these, like, odd cameos. Yoda and Soul Calibur or Spawn or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, so, 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 then... This news report this whole time has been being spoken by April O'Neil, whose TV station looks like a pawn shop. <laughs> it's in a bad neighborhood that's 12 feet across. <laughs> trying to go home. She's afraid of rats. One thing they note in the reports is that the reason this crime wave is so interesting is there have been no witnesses. So it's mysterious what's happening. She's walking out to her van and they're just fucking There's like a dozen of them. <laughs> They don't hide, they're just emptying out the van. I'm doing like, no, no witnesses? It's because she's an intrepid reporter, Benjamin. That's how she accidentally stumbled upon this. She's also, like, I don't know what shoes she's wearing exactly. I want to say heels, but they, they click like heels, at least. She's not even stealthy when she walks out there. The, the Foley work they're doing is heels on gravelly, not perfectly smooth road, like... You can hear her coming, she just catches them. <laughs> Maybe this is a new batch. Maybe this is a new batch of, uh, of foot teenagers. <laughs> we haven't seen a training program, really. Uh, and... We don't really see it in the first movie. We see a little bit. It mostly just looks like kind of like a mediocre boxing. Uh, not boxing studio. Jesus Christ. Boxing gym. 
just <laughs> quick. Just throw your hands up and give me your purse. Get her! Yell at her! Tell her not to tell anybody what she saw. <laughs> yeah, like it's... Like I was worried until they spoke. I'm like, oh, no, you're fine. It's fine. They're children. Everyone's children. <laughs> Anyway, there's a streetlight breaks and Ninja Turtles viciously beat these guys. <laughs> Just Raphael. Raphael's got anger issues. I think they'll. <laughs> <laughs> well, you don't see, because they're, they're doing... Like, I, I first saw this movie and it was already out for a while. Uh, so the, the anticipation, like, oh my god, how do they, how do the turtles look in this movie, wasn't there for me. But I can tell they're capitalizing on what must have been that, you know. Because, like, it's... It's an Israel's movie, you recognize the side, they still don't show you the turtles yet. Oh, yeah, you gotta so wait for your reveal. Yeah. That's what I was trying to say. Yeah, it's like the old, <laughs> uh, you know, even uh, separate from... Uh, Heavily anticipated prosthetic characters. You know, you go back to your old school classics, and you know, the uh, the leading lady always has the scene where she flips your hair up, and then and then you kind of hold on her face for a second, or. Where, you know, you get your you get your A-list actor, and they turn around uh, after the montage, after, after the uh, the uh, the oneer shot, where you're just following them from behind for like two minutes. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, it's good. It's solid. Uh, uh, except they they beat these guys up, and then the police just show up, which is like, is this a heavily patrolled... Who called them? <laughs> this is what I don't... It's fine. It's but <laughs> listen, if the... If the police are coming by every 45 seconds like that, I think she was perfectly safe the whole time. <laughs> uh, maybe it's a peace of mind thing, because this was technically geared towards kids. They want them to know that the police will show up if you... If you need them, even if it's just a little bit too late. 
Yeah, and it's, it's, again, better than the comics where I don't know they would, like, Hannibal Lecter these guys or something. <laughs> I don't know what. <laughs> uh, so then we have a montage of the Ninja Turtles in the sewer saying random 80s slang words <laughs> at each other in sequence. And uh, I think that was the last that was the last part of the movie that was more than three minutes long wherein there was no turtle pun. Because from now on, <laughs> it's constant and overwhelming. <laughs> it was sort of startling, because uh, yeah, once you once you pull away from uh, April's uh, attempted mugging. And if all the turtles like celebrating about what what apparently according to their dialogue is the very first time that they've done a mission. Yeah. So this is like we're seeing them their first time they've ever gone out to go do something and they have their little like 80s style like jump freeze frame and then the cartoon Ninja Turtles logo pops up it's kind of startling because it doesn't and the cartoon music which does not fit with what I've been doing at this point at all fit at all it was so odd yeah 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 so you're right yeah so 80's throwing around all their bodacious tubular do we hear Calabunga yet I don't think we hear Calabunga till the end spoiler no, that that's that's the big reveal at the end. Okay. Is the, <laughs> that's the origin story of Calabunga. <laughs> 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 uh, it's an important origin. But they're also they're not saying them like in sentences. You're just saying the words at each other. <laughs> uh, I don't know what the age range is of the screenwriters on this, but I'm willing to guess that it makes sense once we know it. Uh, <laughs> no, I think it's I think it's sixty-year-old screenwriters just like what the fuck do the kids say? <laughs> just, 
Anyway, they they go to the 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 real apartment where Splinter, my favorite puppet, uh, is there looking all very old and very gross and vaguely reminiscent of uh, Dark Crystal to me. Yeah, tells them to. Meditate and they dance instead. (laughs) 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 Yeah, this is the start of, uh... As as we're getting to see very quickly all the, the characters and the dynamics... I, I don't. I didn't remember it until this viewing, because you know Raphael. I always remembered he was the one with the chip on his shoulder and anger issues. Leo, more the level-headed guy. Uh, I, I forgot that Donatello and Michael. Angelo or just like a, a comedy buddy duo in this whole movie. Yeah, which is like, like, Donatello's the one that got short shrift, because he's the, like, in the cartoon and, and most of the movies that it's, it's a sort of four-archetypal personalities thing. But this one, Donatello, is just like Michelangelo's sidekick. Yeah, he's, he's supposed to be like the really... He, he's the... He's the annoying, like, beast Hank McCoy. Uh... Very smart quotes things and invents things guy, right? Yeah, he's a... I think you you see him more as a tinkerer, typically. He's not... I, like, I don't remember him always being the literate, uh, quoting Macbeth, whatever, style dude. Well, he's not... Don't get me wrong, he's not as irritating as Beast. Yeah. <laughs> because <Yes>. nobody, <laughs> nobody is as irritating as Beast. Not Beast. Except possibly Gambit. <laughs> if you rewatch that cartoon as an adult. Oh, <laughs> just don't. All you need is the opening credits to that cartoon. Excellent. No, watch the whole thing. It's amazing. No, no, Jubilee ruined my childhood. Why did they invent her? No, you you won't hate her this time around. You'll hate Beast and Gambit. Really? And possibly Wolverine. (laughs) 
Cyclops is the only reasonable person there. You hate him at the time. Turns out he's just the adult. I mean, I mostly <laughs> remember Jean Grey fainting any time she used her power for anything. Yeah. Was that... was that oh, but she also... Although her powers also solved every situation, then she would paint, so I kind of get trade off. Okay, so that's like the Star Trek Next Generation Wharf thing, like, they always have to, like, stop her because she's the too effective, or if she can't do something, it's to show that they're stronger. Yeah, show how scary the new villain is by giving Gene an aneurysm. Yeah. Hmm? Yeah. <laughs> that was a... That was a... A note that they gave to every writer. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, Gam is the sexual predator and uh, Beast is super irritating. Yeah. But... Yes, Donatello was, uh, he only has the one scene working on a car later on. It's really the only indication you get that he's got that kind of level of, uh, level of ability or intelligence. I mean, they do seem smart, at least, the two of them, because it's always Lena and Raphael being dramatic, and Donatello and Michelangelo just like, you want to go in the kitchen and just fucking be chill? (laughs) 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 Oh, yeah, of all all four of them, you want to hang out with those two, no question. Yeah, like, like, there's the two that I could stand to actually be in a room with in this movie, but they're also kind of underrated. They're also the two whose weapons uh, aren't as lethal. They're not, like, designed to stab and slice. Yeah, they're they're the ones who can get in a fight with someone and win handle without killing them. <laughs> <laughs> they're my preferred dudes. Yeah, it's it's kinda of surprising actually in retrospect, just thinking it's like if I was designing a kids, I know it wasn't for kids, but like there's a lot more blunt weapons. You could have Raphael have that three-part deal and then have Leonardo be the, the two-sticks guy. Like the... Well, what's that style called? The... the What, uh, what are the main 
characteristics of the style. It's the two sticks thing. I'm trying to remember what those are. Oh, um, compass? No. No, it's like it's, uh, it's Philippines, I think. Uh, Escrima? Escrima. That's what I was thinking yeah. of. There you go. Um, but, like, you could have them easily distinguish the different configurations of sticks. It's not big the question of why he isn't murdering everyone. Well, from Leo's perspective, we could probably just say he's, uh, he's an expert at what he does, uh, and so he can utilize lethal weapons in a non-lethal way. Uh, I don't think there's an excuse for Raphael because he's a hothead. He'd probably be puncturing people constantly. Although, those aren't really sharp ones, right? Like, Sire is supposed to be sword breakers and interceptors, but not like... They don't look sharp, at least. The swords look sharp. I mean, there's a point. Most of them, to my knowledge, don't have sharpened uh, edges. Yeah, it is more about, I think, catching the blade and then snapping the blade typically, but you could just stab somebody with them too, I mean, doesn't take too much effort. I mean, you can stab someone with a stick, it just, it's hard. I had one sigh as a little boy, I don't know how I Got it. I feel like maybe it was a gift from my family from like a pawn shop or something. I'm guessing Mason. My initial guess is Mason. not Cousin Mason, although it does check out. I never. There was never any puncture situations, but I mean, it was like a real heavy, chunky piece of metal, and I definitely, like, hit myself in the head on numerous occasions while swinging it around. <laughs> it drew some blood. I made myself a pair of nunchucks out of a, um, like a, a carabiner and two wrenches that I hurt myself with real bad. Mm. Nice. Uh, but it worked, and also, like, nunchucks are legal someplace. What's never illegal is 
wrenches and carabiners. <laughs> so, guys, <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm just saying, if you get good at him, carry out a toolkit, you've always got uh, five seconds of assembly away from nunchucks. And you know, as a starting point, definitely start with some connected sausage links for practice, just for safety. Yeah. Yeah. Obviously. Yeah. Then you can eat them when they, you know, you've beat them up too much. Yeah. Or as a reward for a job well done. Yeah. After you stop a crime. <laughs> or have practiced for long enough. <laughs> uh, they sift the pizza guy. This is the first time we sort of get Michelangelo Donatello's dynamic of Michelangelo being a bit much and Donatello being like, I enjoy you. <laughs> um. The stiff pizza guy is also apparently played by Michelangelo. Oh, no way, that's funny. Yeah. Uh. And then it's a montage of Raphael's very good disguise. Which is. Uh. The hat and the trench coat. They do a lot of Humphrey Bogart references in this movie, I noticed. Oh, yeah. I don't... I don't think the kids at the time know who that is, and I barely know who that is. Well, it's like a Miriam Melody's Looney Tunes thing. Like, it's that... All the... All the references that... You know of things you've seen in childhood but you never actually saw the original content or Animaniacs did that all the time too. There's lots of Humphrey Bogart in a lot of our childhood cartoons. Yeah, but uh, I feel like for, for Mary Melody's and stuff, it's because a lot of those cartoons are 30, 40 years old. Like, this was made in 1990. I think Humphrey Bogart was dead already. Animaniacs was the 90s too, man. Yeah, but then just when Humphrey Bogart is like, kind of modern. Well, I could be wrong. But that trench coat, uh, that trench coat hat disguise is pretty classic. Did you see the movie that Raphael was walking away from during that montage? It was Critters, It was Critters. (laughs) I don't know if that was like a tongue-in-cheek comment where he was happened on the movie or what, but I haven't thought of Critters in forever. 
I assume that someone who worked on this must have worked on that too, or was in a rivalry with someone. I didn't look into that, but I wonder if that's a an elbow to the ribs of someone on set or something. <laughs> it's possible. This is, of course, this is the... the... montage that leads up to him meeting Casey Jones, right? Yeah. So the... the... He scares off some muggers, and then there's a guy in the park who's also going to beat these muggers up, and Raphael comes in like, hey, I already scared them away temporarily, I've solved the problem. (laughs) And they're both wrong. But it's what was so confusing about so Casey Jones like who what 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 is Casey Jones? Like he rolls up I think he's just a violent guy. But what's he what is I wrote, I only wrote one note down, because Casey Jones is, like, the biggest enigma to me in this movie. He he said, you did your job, now let me do mine. What is... Well, in the comics, uh... I only looked into this very briefly. He's a... You know how, like, the Foot Clan is a symbol of the Hand Clan from Daredevil? Um, and the ooze that turned the turtles was originally supposed to be the same ooze that blinded him. And it was like a direct parody of a lot of Marvel stuff. Oh, okay. I... I mean, I, I get that. I didn't realize that, though. Oh, yeah. But Casey Jones, I think, was a parody of The Punisher and has a similar backstory where, like, mobsters beat up his family, so now he beats them to death with sporting equipment. Because it takes a really long time and it's super gross. <laughs> How he made the jump to the cartoon in the movies, I don't know. Because he was like an overt psychopath uh, in the comics. Uh, and that's it. That's what I know. Yeah, I mean, it, it pretty much checks out because we don't get much of a image of him. Like, we don't know what his life is. 
outside of this. Like the beginning of the movie, we get a pretty clear picture of what April O'Neil's situation is. We, we kind of see her somewhat familiar, not familiar, um, familial work dynamic. Like she's got a good rapport with her boss. She knows his kid. She's, she's a, you know, we get her personal life, basically. A snip of it of it. We get it for the turtles. Casey Jones, we, we know nothing outside of the fact that he just dives in with this group. Yeah, he, well, he, he hangs out on rooftops listening to the radio a lot. Um, he frequents, uh, Central Park at night wearing, uh, a personally modified hockey mask. Yeah, so, okay, so he, uh, looking up the Wikipedia, okay. <laughs> when he was young, his father owned an auto shop, and a group of the Purple Dragon members, led by young Han, burned the shop down and killed his father and took his mother and sister hostage, uh... He stabbed the guy in the neck who did it, um, who then beat young Casey with an inch of his 